You you want to trade somebody on the Denver Broncos already? We haven't even started the season. Well, I've been kind of pounding this table for a while, if if it could happen. So looking back at what the Jets did with Jamal Adams, and they got two first-rounders and a second-rounder in that trade to the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. Now, Justin Simmons is the sixth-highest-paid safety in the NFL right now, and he was in the top five up until this last year. But if you're really looking at improving your offensive line and you can make a trade of Justin Simmons and get two first-rounders for him, for a guy in a safety position that, you know, he's very important. It's not him as a player is bad. It's it's nothing against that. But if you could get a trade like what the Jets got for uh, Jamal Adams, I mean, they got Elijah Vera Tucker, Garrett Wilson, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard, Garrett Wilson, and then they got another cornerback. Uh, as that uh, trade was completed last year, or the trade deals were completed in 2022. If the Broncos could get two first-rounders and a second-rounder or player now, similar to what the Jets got for Jamal Adams, I say go for it and start that foundation with getting those first-round picks, getting quality first-round picks, and building that offensive line. Because whether it's Russ or some rookie quarterback, you need to protect him. And right now, they haven't been able to do that. I see what you're saying. Um, here, there's a couple of problems with that, though. And by the way, uh, D-Max right with you. D-Max, like, you have any talent, trade it. Unless it's a quarterback, trade it. Well, it's not any talent. No, that's what D-Mac believes. There's, D-Mac believes, I think there's only like two or three positions that if you have talent, you should keep. I think it's basically... I was going to say left tackle... Left tackle, quarterback, and maybe pass rusher. Yeah. Outside of that, and maybe he might throw wide receiver in there too. I'm not sure. So there might be four. Outside of that, trade it. You got a good cornerback, trade it. Good safety, trade it. Good uh, trade, trade, trade. I'm like, okay, DMAC, whatever. Um, cause, you know, because he has all these metrics. DMAC's weird because, you know, it's, it's weird trying to, you know, have a conversation with DMAC because he'll just come up with his own, he'll try and, Define the parameters of whatever debate he's having with these weird metrics and then get you to fit within this box. And you're like, well, wait a minute. How do we get in this box? Like, I don't know. I don't agree with the premise to start with. Right. Like last week it was. He had this, he goes, well, this is my own DMAC grading system for Russell Wilson. So I took every Russell Wilson throw and then redefined it this way and then came up with this. That of Russell Wilson's throws, I only counted graded 11 of them. But of the 11, five of them were good. Now, Dan, of that in the DMAC grading system, I agreed that five of the 11 were good. Now, you would take that, wouldn't you? And I was like, wait a minute, wait, wait, what? And then I had to, like, kind of think about it. And then even then, though, I was like, no, no, five of 11 out of your quarterback in any grading system is not good. No, no. 
It's below average in every other system besides that grading system. Yeah, and even that was bad because that was, you know, you saying that was the best case scenario. So, no, it's bad. So, it's weird argument, DMAC. But the problem, I think, with what you're proposing, Colin, is Sean Payton thinks they can win. I think the way they believe they're going to win is they're going to have a really – they believe they're going to have a really good defense. And Justin Simmons, you saw him out at camp. He's playing really, really well. And so I think they're going to win. That It's going to be really hard to throw on them because they're, they're, they're going to believe that Justin Simmons and Patrick Sertan are going to be very, very formidable. I think possibly they're going to create some turnovers in that secondary. I don't know how this pass rush is going to look. Hopefully it's going to look pretty darn good. Um but they think they're going to be very good defensively, and then they're going to control the ball with Russell Wilson, and they're going to run the ball, and they're going to have a you know a, a play action passing game, and that I think it may not be fun to watch, but they're going to grind out nine, ten, eleven wins that way, and they're going to win that way for a couple years until they figure things out. So they can't trade Justin Simmons because he will be, between him and Patrick Sertan, maybe the biggest piece of that. Yeah, and I could see him being a piece, and it's not that I want – he is good, and they, he will have turnovers. He's had the most interceptions on the squad the last three years. He's had yeah. at least four. But looking at you know safeties and what value that brings to the team – when I was looking at the highest paid safeties, you're not looking at teams that are very good. Right. That are in those top six. And even if you go top seven, which is Buda Baker in, in Arizona right now, who's the seventh highest paid, Arizona's not that good. And when you're spending that much money at that position, I, I'm saying if you can get that value to add to your team and build a foundation, I think when you have guys like PJ Locke, uh, Stearns back there in the safety position, you yeah, I, want to look I, that. I don't think the Broncos look at themselves as re- rebuilding, and so they wouldn't give away that asset. And, and I don't know if the rest of the league, you know, view him as Jamal Adams or whatever. I, I don't know. We view him that way, and that's another problem with the Broncos. They consistently overvalue their own assets. They have a bias. They have had a bias. Now, I think that's changing. I think Sean Payton is now coming in and saying, no. I, I, I don't. I'm sorry, George Payton, um, that you, you know, have not done a good job, but I will get rid of anything that you and John Elway have brought in here, we will not hesitate to get rid of. Um, Dalton Reisner, even though that was a John Elway thing, eh, gone, right? And we see how the rest of the league, unfortunately, because I, I really respect Dalton Reisner, but to my knowledge, he's still out on the street, right? Um, Alberto, which is kind of funny, he was a little media darling, and everybody was like, see, Coach Hackett didn't know what the heck he was doing, and Jerry Rosberg was a genius for bringing him back. And I was I can't remember who it was I was arguing with, and they're like, see, Sean Payton is a genius. He's so smart. He's going to let, even though Alberto is a complete liability, he won't block, but he is such a transcendent talent in the passing game, he's going to be allowed to just completely be a liability in the blocking game, and he'll just be allowed to just catch the ball. And I'm like, why? what? When did Albert O become, so, become Jimmy Graham, a young Jimmy Graham, and he can just do whatever he wants and, 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 and be a diva like Julius Thomas? Well, and I, I get what you're saying about it in our eyes, but also remember, the Broncos did get a first-round pick for Bradley Chubb. 
Yes, yeah. you're Yeah, they fleece them. Yeah, yes. don't bring it up. Don't bring it up. Right. Um, so, uh, and 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 Sean Payton's like, no, no. And and last night you saw well late into the game, it was you know Albert O, which was by the way just squirrel side note, like th- there was a there was a play where I think it was Danucci, maybe it was Stidham. Danucci was like, man, if he could could have gotten that ball. Into Albert O, that would have been a big play. It was Ryan Harris was saying it. it was like, what do you mean if he could have? Like it was if the ball was straight to the defender. Like Albert O wasn't open. It was a a play that like the defender dropped an interception, right? Oh, that I think that was Zanucci towards the end of it. Yeah, yes, it was like yes. towards the end. It's like, dude, yeah. Well, also if he could have like thrown it a hundred yards into the end zone for a Hail Mary Madden play. Like, yeah, like, what are we talking about? I mean, if there were only 10 defenders on the field, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, too, right? like, what are we talking about, dude? Chance. Like, like, Albert O, because he, he said it twice. Like, he kept saying it. It's like, what are you talking about, Ryan? Like, he wasn't open. He threw it into he threw it into the gut of the defender who dropped it. Like, yeah, he could have. Yeah, like, what are you doing here? But, yeah, so finally I think the overvaluation of their own players is over. Like, they actually tried to get rid of Cortland Sutton, and everybody was like, no, we don't want that contract. It's like a totally overvalued contract, so no. Um, so, but, but the issue is right now they're just stuck with what they have. And right now, especially offensively, it's not good. But they think or they thought they had fixed the offensive line. Um, so that's problematic because they spent heavily – on Ben Powers, which right now, again, it's early. You know, offensive lines, what we hope is, the best we can hope for is, is that they just need some time to gel. And that right now, I mean, of the two, the benefit of the doubt I was going to give to was Ben Powers, right? Because we all, no, we all, because I didn't, but the rest of the, quote, analysts made the assumption that Ben Powers and Mike McGlinchey were just going to be fine. I was always highly skeptical of McGlinchey um, because, you know, the kind of that we knew knew what he was, right? We knew he wasn't a great pass blocker. He was a good run blocker. But I, I was at least going to give the benefit of the doubt to Ben Powers, right? Like he seemed to be the more solid of the two. Right now he seems to be struggling more of the two. But, again, McGlinchey's out, right? Um, but so far in the first these two first games – um, ben Powers seems to be struggling mightily. Now, offensive lines can get better over time. I am highly skeptical of Garrett Bowles because Garrett Bowles, outside of the one season with the benefit of the COVID rules, um, has never been good. And he was regressing when he came back from the you know the COVID year, and he got hurt. So I'm skeptical of that. Cushionberry's never been good. Um, minors, let's see. Um, so, but maybe with the benefit of time of real life snaps, again, part of the problem with this preseason is I, I guess I, I guess with the CBA, you're just really not allowed to get in the good work. Like you used to be able to do the players traded comfort for money. As Brandon Stokely said a million times, they were, they wanted to be able to smoke marijuana. They want to be able to smoke weed and you know, not have to practice so hard. So they traded that over money. So they got their comfort. So maybe it's just going to take some time of having to get into the regular season, having to play two or three games together, and have those you know snaps 
live bullets against a real team every game for, you know, I don't know, how many games does a, how many snaps does a team get in the, you know, offensively per game? I don't know, 60, 70, 80? I don't know how many it is. You know, have to have that weekend, week out for three, four weeks before we really know what they have in this offensive line. But I believe Sean Payton thinks they're going to be a playoff team this year. I mean, he said that. He wouldn't have said it. I think Sean Payton's smart enough with, you know, he believes he's savvy enough with the media that if he thought they were really a truly rebuilding team this year, he would have said, well, of course we want to be competitive, but, you know, this is a work in progress. He would have said that. So he thinks that they can, you know, you know, by hook or by crook, by, you know, with duct tape and bailing wire, win 9, 10, 11 games and get in the playoffs. So that's what they're going to try and do. So I don't think they're going to trade away their talent. I like it. Um, real quick, let's get to some text here. Thank you, Dan, for speaking the truth. Denver has become a paradise for average quarterback play and below average quarterback play where the fans will defend them tooth and nail with no hard facts to back it up. It's crazy. Well, here's, here's what I was teasing before the break, though. Here's the problem with it. If it is what I think it is, and that you're going to see what we saw a large part of last night or in the first game with Russell Wilson, which is maybe not terrible quarterback play, right? Because what we've seen in the first two games out of Russell Wilson is he has not been terrible. He's had some nice plays. He's made some plays with his feet. Um, They haven't been dynamic offensively. They've moved the ball a little bit. They've gotten into field goal range quite a bit. They've struggled with field goals. But they've gotten some field goals on the board, and they scored. You, They did score a touchdown that they would not have scored in the regular season, but it counted in the preseason. Um, that's probably not going to be good enough. But let's say they eke out some wins in their middle of the road. Well, what Andrew Mason has told us is that puts them in a really tough position because then they do have to rebuild. Because then they, at the end of this season, they really have to cut bait. And what Andrew Mason has said is, I guess – You'll have to look at how it, it, it is trending at the end of the year. But if it's just kind of been, if that's just it, what it is consistently throughout the year and it's not really trending up, like if Russell Wilson is not like, okay, we kind of start out rough, but we're really looking good by the end of the year and the offense is really clicking and you really believe that Russell Wilson is trending up towards a top five, top six, seven quarterback by the end of the year, you got to make a decision on that on that court that that contract, and then you really are rebuilding. If, if Russell Wilson is what we saw last night, and I, and I honestly don't understand people that looked at the first two games of the preseason and said that Russell Wilson looks great. Oh, it's so encouraging what we've seen. I don't see it. He doesn't look bad. He looks okay. But if that's all you're getting out of him, they will have to cut bait on him at the end of the regular season. If you have an eight or nine win quarterback that isn't looking okay, well, yeah, but he's about to, you know, he's, he's breaking through. And by the end of the season, he looks fantastic. They can't commit to that, that contract for the next five years, man. They have to cut bait. So that's why it's a problem. That's why we're talking about it now. 
That's why it's important. It's so important because they have to make decisions on the future of the team. Well, And what happens if they do have to cut bait on that contract? That means it's going to be uncomfortable around here for the next two or three years until they find another solution for the quarterback position. And that's not going to be fun. They're going to have to rip the Band-Aid on that. Well, let's see. I on the Ramos Law dot com text line or Ramos text line. Um, I hate how you guys cannot give John Elway the sole blame. Let me read that again. I hate how you guys cannot give John Elway the sole blame. Well, how can we give John Elway the sole blame? He's not the only guy. I mean, John Elway gets a lot of the blame. Like he. He was a big part of the blame, but, I mean, George Payton has been in charge of the last two drafts, or last one. I mean, how many how many drafts did George Payton get? Did he just get his own? I'm trying to think here. He definitely had his own draft. I guess he only got one draft on his own, right? Is that right? He got one draft on his own, but, I mean, you know. 21 John- was his first draft class, so. Yeah. 21. got to 21, 22, and then. This, this was, was 23. Eight, so we had two drafts, right? So there you go. He gets blame, right? Does Joe Ellis not get blame? Does Joe Ellis and John Elway also get I mean, Joe Ellis hired George Payton. Joe Ellis gets blame. The trust gets blame. George Payton gets blame. Like, there's all sorts of blame to go around. Yeah, I don't think it can all go on Elway. It's just like even when they lost that Super Bowl, was the blame on Elway because Fox didn't have him prepared for that Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean, it, it goes around to multiple people. It's more than just one person, but the brunt of it lands on Elway's shoulders. Yeah, I, absolutely. So this one. Let's see. So I, Colin, what do you think this guy's tried to accomplish here? He says, you don't see because you're stupid Dan. This guy's number that ends... Oh, it's, it's our Albuquerque guy. Huh. Well, I read your text, Albuquerque guy. Now, Albuquerque guy, what were you... I think uh, Albuquerque guy's hitting the green chili a little too hard. Yeah. I mean, what do you? Th- what were you trying to accomplish, Albuquerque guy? I'm just curious. How do, you, how do you feel now that I read your text, Albuquerque guy? Do you feel accomplished? Did, did something in your soul get satisfied? Do you think I really feel stupid? Because you said I'm stupid? Do you think listeners go, that guy's right. Dan's really stupid. Dan is an idiot. You're right, Texter. I mean, some people already feel that way. Do you feel validated, Texter? Let's go deeper into what's going on in your life. What what are you feeling right now, Texter? Do you feel good about yourself? Do you feel shame? Do you feel happiness? Do you feel loneliness? Albuquerque guy, like, what do you feel right now? I just, I'm just curious. Like the, the, this, this, this feel. Do you, are you, do you have loneliness? Do you have despair? Because, like, that. I, I mean, I read through all your texts. Like, like, there's, there's, there's all these things. Like the, 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 the feeling that you need to reach out into the universe and continually hurl like vile negative insults to people like I just I'm just wanting to know like what 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 goes through is going on in your life that you constantly at at these people you hear on the radio you constantly have to do it 
it seems like every day, let's see, you did it on August 20th, August 19th several times, uh, well, many times on August 19th, August 14th, August 13th, August 12th, a lot of times on August 12th. Like, you do this all the time. Like, you're reaching out and attacking people in a very negative way. What's going on in your life? I'm just wondering. That's all. All right, coming up next, we spoke with um, Chad Andrus, uh, who hosted our fan football pregame show last night. He got live reaction from you guys after the game ended. He had some good insights. And um, so for those of you that missed it, we're going to revisit that conversation. Coming up next. the show talking about, um, you know, I, I think that they do a fine job on Nine News, and I, I have nothing against Steve Levy. I think Ryan Harris does a nice job, too. Um, but I like Ryan Harris being on the broadcast. He's local, right? He's a local guy. He played you know, played on the Super Bowl team. He was drafted here. Um, it's nice. But I don't remember when Steve Levy started doing the broadcasts. But, you know, he was kind of a stopgap guy, right? Because it used to be, I think it was Dave Logan for a long time, and then it was Ron Sapolo. I was just thinking to myself last night, it's like, why, why don't, why aren't they developing somebody local to do that? Like, we have plenty of local personalities that have play-by-play experience, things like that. Um, Why wouldn't we do, you know, something like that at Nine News? They have other, they have guys there that could be doing it. You know, it's just weird that they, um, that they don't um, develop that. And not that I have anything against Steve Levy, but it's just weird. They pipe, bring this guy in, um, you know, three times a year, and it's been going on for five, six, seven years now. I don't even know. It's just, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Um, so today, uh, we had Chad Anderson. He hosts our fan um, post game show, and he's the play by play guy, right? Like he's done play by play for NBA TV, for the Mountain West Conference Tournament. He was our play by play announcer for our D League team, uh, for the Nuggets affiliate for a long time, um, for the entire year they were in existence. Uh, entire time they were in existence. So it was interesting to me. So that's how we started our conversation. Want to bring that to you coming up next. But that was the genesis of the conversation. We'll bring that to you now. All right. So this conversation we were having, uh, I just, you know, it just popped in my head. I think Steve Levy does a fine job. I like the job um, Ryan Harris did on the broadcast last night. But um, I was just thinking, and I actually mentioned your name, you know, as one of the candidates here for this. But you know, I was like, why doesn't Nine News develop somebody local to do the broadcast? Um, not that anything wrong with Steve Levy does, but it's been several years now. I don't know how long Steve Levy's been doing it, four or five years. It used to be Zapolo or Dave Logan. It's been plenty of time to develop somebody local. And I was just like, hey, you know, we've got Chad Andrus or a Matt Smith or you know, a Mosher, anybody out there that could be doing something local. Um, so I'm throwing names out there. Um and I said, you know, I, I actually, you know, even on the, I would like to see, uh, there's some color names out there as well that would be um, fun. Not maybe, maybe even with a Ryan Harris, because I think Ryan does a fine job as well. But uh, just having some fun with that. Uh, would you be up to the task, Chad? Absolutely. Uh, I would love it. And given my background in play-by-play, um, I'm not a real big fan of when people and broadcasts in uh, coaching press conferences and players when they throw out the term it's preseason for everybody it's preseason for the broadcasters it's preseason for the officials it's your job so let's learn how to pronounce Okwebenam and let's get it right 
So I'm not a real big fan when people say that. Um, but again, that's something that is you know somewhat up to nine news, but I think more so at the discretion of the Broncos' approval. Uh, that would be up to them in choosing who they want. They they choose to go with a recognizable name, right? So I'm sure they have the reasons for it. Um, if they ever chose another direction, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is weird on a week to week basis. Uh, Okuyabuum or whatever, how it, and they both do it. Both him and Ryan Harris do it. Isn't it weird? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very strange. You know, when you when you do play by play and you go through the grind and you do high school games in every state at every level and every sport and you do volleyball and you do hockey and you do um, you know NBA G League. Uh, you learn to get names right, and you learn to get them right, even if they're guys that aren't going to be long for that league or that team because it's your job. So that's just something that I, I'm i not going to budge on. I'll die on that hill. Um, it is preseason, so it's not the biggest deal in the world to most people. Clearly, they don't find it as a, a big deal. For people that really appreciate the details and the skill that it takes to do play-by-play, I, I would like to see a little bit better effort. Yeah, somebody texting in because I'd mentioned McChesney because just because I I like how fiery he is. Like, it's, and then somebody said, "Well, McChesney, Dmac, and Wolf would be a good team." And you know, I, I can immediately see like a WWE, you know, chair, you know, match, you know, uh, you know, chairs being thrown in the booth, uh, you know, there between uh, Wolf and McChesney. I don't know why. I'm sure they have no beef. I just, it just it could be very entertaining. I think. Um, it would be something. I, I'm not sure what it would be. And, uh, I, I, uh, I really like Matt. Matt's a good friend. Yeah. Um, and he knows his stuff and he pays attention. Yeah. He's one person who does the work. So I, I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. Yeah, no. Um, that's why I said, I, I suggested him cause I, you know, I was watching some analysis he was doing online last night and, uh, and plus he's very fiery. He's like, ah, so I, yeah, that could be entertaining. Um, your thoughts, how was the post game last night? What were people's reactions? Uh, a lot of vitriol, a lot of um, disgust with Vance Joseph. People upset that uh, they're seeing kind of the same pattern of not getting stops when the team needs to get stops. And that was kind of the point of contention of the argument as to is that on Vance Joseph? Is that on the defensive coordinator? Is it more the same that we've seen over the last seven years of a defense not standing up when it counts? Or is it just preseason game number two and none of the guys that didn't get stops on the last two 49ers possessions are going to be on the 53-man roster? So what are we talking about? Um, that's that's kind of the back and forth as to what side people fell on last night. But there are a lot of people who will take any and every opportunity to point out that they did not want Vance Joseph back here and uh, are going to criticize him and and be ready to jump the second that the defense lets this team down in a key moment in the regular season. Yeah, I'm already seeing this morning text saying the same thing. Should we be worried about Vance Joseph? I don't know about worried. Uh, We'll see what the starters look like. I thought there were um, some pretty good pressure packages last night. I think Jonathan Cooper really stood out. And I think a guy like Elijah Garcia being developed late in the game, uh, I think there are some good things. And the fact that the team had three total turnovers, two of them forced by the defense, is something that Big Fangio's defenses never did. So if they can do that during the regular season, there are some positives there. I also think that one of the things that has been really overlooked and and underplayed is Damari Mathis in particular has really grown since – the parade of flags that he was unjustly kind of um, 
saddled with in his debut last year. He is turning into a really good player that can play opposite of Pat Sertan, and I think Isang Bassi continues to grow in the secondary as well, has a chance to be a playmaker. So I think they're finding some guys, and um, if EJ can dial up pressure with that group, then, yeah, it's going to look a lot different than uh, I think the the critics are expecting. Well, and I don't – Again, I don't panic about anything in, in this game or the preseason, particularly like how lax with the new rules are, whatever it is. I'm just not panicking about anything. But if you look at the one series that, you know, the the, the Niners tried essentially with their, with Brock Purdy, I mean, they marched right down. I mean, they, they just went through it like butter, essentially. Um, oh, yeah, they, they, they went straight down the field. And it was um, – I was very disappointed in the first series that the starters were out there on defense – and I think more than anything else, it pointed out a few things. Um, one, I don't know where Kyle Shanahan stands and if he still has just a, a tinge of a grudge against this franchise for being passed over for Vance Joseph and maybe wanted to make a little bit more of a statement on that opening series. Not anything, you know, in terms of, of sending a message and blowing out a team in the preseason because who cares. But if it's one series of starters against starters and he says, okay, I'm going to light you up because you work again for the franchise that chose you over me. And the other thing that I thought was, was really, really clear is they didn't even have Christian McCaffrey on the field, but Debo Samuel had two big plays early. Brandon Ayuk had a big play. And I pointed this out in the postgame last night. Brandon Ayuk is kind of an average fourth option for that team, a contending team. He is a more reliable and consistent player than anybody the Broncos have in the receiving core. And I don't mean that as a, a huge insult to the talent of Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton or, or anyone else, but facts are facts. He's been in the league the same amount of time as Jerry Judy, and he's had more catches every season. And if that's a product of the quarterback or the offensive system or the head coach or whatever it is, I get that. There are other factors involved, but he's a better player. So they have more options and more weapons, right? And if you take that back to the defense – this is what we're talking about, the Broncos and Vance Joseph schemes having to stop because they have not faced teams going all out against them over the last six seasons because they haven't had to. And if the Broncos score more points offensively and they get in that 23-24 point a game range, other teams are going to respond with a more dynamic game plan than what we are used to seeing. So that is the challenge that is going to be in front of Vance Joseph and that defense going forward is, Teams aren't going to be as vanilla as they have been against Denver the last three to six years. Well, we saw it again last night, right? And this was what I was talking about yesterday. Okay, they kind of have a little bit of success. They pick up some first downs, and there's a penalty late, and then they kick a field goal. And that's been kind of the hallmark of these Broncos offenses uh, for that that have scored 16, 70 points a game for the last six, seven years. And then the, and then the other team knows what to do, right? Yeah, because they they you, you play to win the game. That's the Herm Edwards quote, right? You're yeah. not playing to score 48 every week and annihilate teams. Right. You play to do what you need to do to win the game. And I thought if if Brock Purdy and the first team offense for San Francisco would have stayed in the game, uh, it didn't appear that Denver was going to have any answers for them uh, at least through you know a quarter and a half or getting the halftime to make an adjustment. I mean that first series, like you said, it was it was a knife through butter. It was it was a piece of cake. Yeah, and then yeah, the Broncos. Yeah, but by the way, you we've had this conversation several times um, about the the Broncos' weapons. You were talking about Ayuk versus Judy last night. 
Um, I hear about how great the Broncos' first-team offense looked with Russ. Um, unless I'm getting this wrong, Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, one catch for five yards total. Yeah, and I think you saw very early what Sean Payton knows this offense is going to be because Javante Williams, 10 months removed from knee surgery, playing for the first time, touched the ball on the first four plays he was in the game. And I think that's what this offense is going to be relying on. It's going to be relying on Javante Williams and Samaj P. Ryan and now Jaleel McLaughlin as a third down or a change of pace back. Those are the primary playmakers because those are the only dynamic weapons on the offense. There aren't any in the receiving core. And until those show themselves or develop, this is a run-first team, and it's going to be a, a short you know, pass to a screen in the flat running back type of team. There were no plays down the field last night. How far was the ball in the air from Stidham to Virgil right before the half? That was the longest play down the field that they had, but there weren't any with Russ. Russ played 12 plays, and he ran on three of them. Yeah, he, so, he tried the one. I mean, obviously it wasn't successful. He tried the one to Judy that, you know, went, you know wasn't close to completion. You're right. He was into double coverage, and it was, you know, three yards over his head, and that was on a third down play Right. Um, when they had to, right? It wasn't like uh, any off-script stuff. It was more of your, your typical old-school football that you would see, you know, in in any high school or college game plan, run, run, pass on third down when you have to. Yeah, it, um, it's weird now with Russ. I don't think Russ played bad. I, I just It was just a kind of a meh performance. He did what he kind of had to do. And I think now uh, Sean Payton, just because of all this narrative around Russell right now, is kind of spiraling out of control. He just said, all right, let's just get him out of here. Um, but your your assessment of what you saw with Russell Wilson last night? Uh, incomplete. I mean, didn't show me anything one way or another. I think him running three times and what happened with um, running, whether that was at his own read and a design run for him and then one other scramble, I think the original plan of the whatever it was, 12, 16, 20 plays, got cut short immediately because they were like, he's already run three times. We cannot have this happen and get him killed in the second preseason game. So let's just pull the plug now and regroup and figure out if these guys are going to play at all against the Rams next week or if they're going to take three weeks off and roll the dice and see what what comes out when the Raiders come to town. All right. I I have to ask you this because all the, you know, all the media is like, yeah, Russ is running and this and that. My my assessment seems to be like you, like that can't be the, the, the recipe for the rest of the season. Because, one, Russ, to me, didn't look fast. Like, yeah, he, he was effective, and you can do that, but eventually that's going to catch up with you, just like it did last year when he was getting concussions, right? Like, he's taken off because everything is breaking down, and he's getting smoked. Um, yeah, and, and he's 34 years old. And, you know, people that got excited about that zone read where he, he faked the handoff on around the corner and ran for the first down, um, he looked adequate enough to get a few yards and move the chains. He didn't look fast or electric. It's not like you're watching Lamar Jackson do that around the corner. My my take is if if that is in the playbook and teams have to account for it, fine. And if you use it to move the chains and get two or three yards once every three, four games, fine. No issue with it. But if you're reliant on that as part of your offensive game plan every week to think he is going to do a zone read and run the football, 
then you've got a college offense and you're in big, big trouble with a 34-year-old quarterback. Yeah. Um, so, but him taking off so much, I heard a lot of, yeah, this is what's going to be the offense. And I'm like, dude, if that's the offense, we're in big, big trouble. And, it, and yeah, that's probably not it. They're cooked. Yeah. Um, Russ is cooked. Yeah, he's not cooking. He's cooked. All right, Chad, uh, last thoughts before I let you go and enjoy the uh, beautiful day at the golf course. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm pulling for Neil Shipley here. He's a, he's an interesting guy. If you haven't looked him up, he's kind of a big guy with a, a long hair. Uh, doesn't really fit the mold that you would think of um, the, the golf country club atmosphere. And he, was, he had the fans pumped up with a chip in yesterday. So uh, I'm going to go out there, check him out in person. I'm going to pull for him to win the amateur today. All right. Thank you, Chad Andrus. Have a great day. Thanks, bud. All right. Uh, I agreed with a lot of what Chad had to say. If you want to react to what Chad had to say and get your thoughts in about the game last night, your chance is coming up next. Twitter. Yeah, until until Google, when it redirects you there, changes it to uh, X officially, it still says Twitter. Yeah, I still don't even understand. Like, what was the point? Why did they change it to X other than this Elon was just bored? Yeah, I mean, was there a strategic advantage or a marketing advantage? Why did they do it? Strategic, like uh, practicing and completions? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, I don't understand it. Um... Like, you had your own brand. Like, you know, it was like, uh, seems like, remember when Coke went to New Coke? Oh, that failed miserably. Right. It just seems like, you know, you you have certain things that are just bad ideas. It just seems like you, you, you had a very strong brand. Like, you spend an entire lifetime building up a brand, and now you're like, eh, I spent... What did, what, did, what did he spend? $44 billion buying the dang thing? I was going to say, some, some sort of billion buying it. Maybe you just wanted to see how... Uh how strong his pull is. Yeah. You know, what he could do. Maybe he's just testing his limits. Yeah, and then I think it was yesterday, the day before, he was he was on there saying it's not even any good. He was like, there is no good social media platform in the world. And and this one may fail too, but at least we're going to try and make it good. Like, he's even like, even all my product sucks, but we're going to try and make it not suck. But it may not ever not suck. Like, what? Okay. All right, dude. Anyway, so... Mike Kliss on Twitter, at Mike Kliss. Per source, Broncos wide receiver Jalen Virgil will need knee surgery to repair meniscus. Good news is ACL is intact, but he will be down a while. Injury occurred as he tried to finish his 50-yard catch and run to one-yard line on final play of first half Sunday in preseason game versus San Francisco. Hashtag nine sports. So, not bad, bad news. Not terrible news. I mean, I'm happy that Virgil isn't out for the season, it sounds like, right now. Yeah. But he's, not that he is not an important piece, but how big of a role is he really playing? Like, Yeah, still in Virgil. I mean, I'm, you know, it's good that he's coming back. Yeah, happy for him, but as far as the offense goes, I, I didn't see him being one of those big pieces that uh, would have as big of an impact. You know, he has had an impact in some games. Uh, last year, if you remember, uh, uh, he had one return. He had one decent return. Right. 
So, I mean, right. he can make an impact. I just don't know if he would have been an impact or will be an impact player on this team. Yeah. Clean up that meniscus. Come back. Speedy, we wish you a speedy recovery, Jalen Virgil. So, semi-good news for you. All right, I like this one. On the text line, Ramos Law, text line 303-713-1043. To Dan, why do you hate the Broncos? Focus on the positive from Russell Wilson. P.S. Sorry about the whole charity thing. Oops, my bad. All right, Russ, I guess we're friends now. My bad, too. I'm sorry. Let's be positive. Uh, somebody else says, what about Zach Bai for play-by-play? Yeah, he, he did play. That's, that's what he was. He was a Division One play-by-play guy before he got this job for, I don't know, the Albany Fighting Dogs or whatever they are. I just made that up. It Knights. was Albany, though. The Albany Knights? I don't know what the Albany team is. Whatever Albany is, I think that's what it was. My my northern New York uh, colleges are not uh, very yeah, well. Not uh, my knowledge is not very vast up there. Yes, that's what he uh, that's what he was doing before this gig. So, yeah, he, he could do it. Uh, Dan, you asked for Vance Joseph criticism when you hired him and the Cardinals' defense was mediocre. With him, they consistently lost games late. We're back. Somebody else asking, is Kyle Shanahan really that thin-skinned? Well, you know, there was the whole they fired his dad thing, too. That that was what the reporting was, was when he was in the interview process. So, So Joe Ellis, here's how the story goes. Mike Shanahan, you know, as the saying goes, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And... Mike Shanahan was the coach. There was actually a GM. I can't remember. I think it was John Beak, but I could be wrong. There was an actual GM when John Elway, uh, Mike Shanahan was hired. They had success. He won the two Super Bowls. He gobbled up all the power in the organization. And I can tell you from personal experience, and I, you know, I, I have a wide array of interests. I've studied things, and you know, I've also worked in a lot of areas, and you know, I do work in the court system and criminal justice system, all that stuff. I'm kind of a big deal. No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying I've worked in a lot of things. So I've seen a lot of things. I've, I've volunteered in politics. I've done a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I've, I mean, I, he, he is one of the most tyrannical people I've ever seen in history, Mike Shanahan. Uh, seeing him up close, I mean, it is insane how tyrannical Mike Shanahan actually was when he was in charge of the Broncos. So the story goes that as he got more and more tyrannical and took over, gobbled up more and more power in the Broncos organization, he stuck his beak into more and more areas where the head football coach perhaps should not have been sticking his beak. And um, Joe Ellis took umbrage to that. And then as Pat Bolin's... um, Faculties declined due to the unfortunate effects of Alzheimer's. Uh, Joe Ellis had more influence with Pat Bolin. And as soon as he was able to, he kind of said, Pat, you know, Broncos aren't doing so well. Maybe it's time for uh, Mike Shanahan, who you said had a lifetime contract, was coached for life. Maybe he shouldn't be coached for life anymore. And he was actually the one that made Mike Shanahan get got. So when Kyle Shanahan was being interviewed... He looked over at Joe Ellis, looked him in the eye, and even though he's addressing to the question to John Elway, 
he was looking at Joe Ellis and said, well, if I get hired, would my father be welcome in the building? And it was a super awkward moment. <laughs> so, yeah, there was uh, some bad blood there, you know. But um, anyway, that, you know, uh, so thin skin, yeah. But, you know, like Chad was saying, it was you know, it's not like – you know, Mike's Mike's welcome here now. He's in the he's in the Ring of Fame and all that stuff. I mean, you know, all that stuff's gone. But you know, I'm sure Kyle. You know, and they they talk to you know, what's his name, um, Lynch and stuff like that. I'm sure bygones are bygones. But if he has a chance, you know, he'll uh, you know, he'll he'll he'll, he'll put in a touchdown or two on him if he could. It's not not uh, gone, but not forgotten, so to speak. I think is the term there. All right, guys, thanks for riding with us. It's been fun. We'll do it again next week on uh, Saturday, 11 a.m., and then Sunday, 10 to 1. Appreciate it. Ooh, a little Toby Keith to get us out of here. Well, how do you like me now from uh, the Shanahan's? Ah, uh, there you go. To Broncos country. Great job out of you, <laughs> Colin Zanker. Appreciate it. You guys did a great job out there on the uh, almost law.com text line. Even you, New Mexico. Appreciate you listening as well. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. But you overlook me somehow. Besides, you had too many boyfriends to mention, and I played my guitar too loud.